Hey there, everyone. Welcome to Holy Man, a journey of becoming godly men. No matter if we are sons or husbands, dads, grandfathers, or just any regular guy out there, we are going to try to figure out how God would want us to live on this journey called life. None of us have it all figured out. So let's dig into God's Word and wrestle with God's Word as we try to become who God created us to be, specifically, holy men. Hey there, men. It is Paul. I'm back for another semester uh, here in the spring, winter, and spring of 2023. And uh, we're in our fourth semester, and it is great to be with you. It's great to be back. Uh, since the last time we met uh, online or at the po- last podcast, uh, some of you know I was actually in a hospital with some heart issues going on. And uh, so, but I'm back from that and doing a whole lot better than I was. And so it's just good to be back with all of you uh, on the Holy Man podcast. As we uh, jump into a new semester here, I just want to think, you know, last semester, we were we spent a lot of time, if you want to look back at the last 10 episodes, if you didn't get a chance to, uh, uh, we looked at the idea of communication and how our communication is so much a part of our lives and trying to get better as holy men in, in our communication. And the semester before that, uh, the 10 episodes before that, we were looking at the, um, the idea of lies, how we are fed lies over the course of our life. Satan just teases us with all these different lies and how that affects us. And, uh, and then the very first semester, we spent time talking about how uh, we can't necessarily control others or situations around us, but we can influence others and the situations around us. So I want to invite you, if you have not been part of the podcast before, if you want to go back, all the episodes are there on Spotify and Apple and uh, and on our website, you can find those things. Uh, This semester, uh, we're going to be doing something a little different. Uh, You know, we're on this journey to become a holy man. And I know some of you are like, well, that's impossible for me. And I get it. (laughs) It's impossible for me too, but it's not impossible for the Holy Spirit to do a work in me and through me and to help me on that journey of being holy. So simply speaking, it's becoming more and more like what we see in Jesus. You know, he is holy. He is different than the sinful-minded people that we see around us. And it's our journey towards holiness, and it shows up, you know, truthfully, it shows up in all aspects of life, like how we communicate, like how we give, how we receive, how we react to things and people, how we respond, how we disagree with others, what we watch, how we use our time, and the list goes on and on. It's parts of all life. And again, holiness is, you know, it's godliness. It's uh, being set apart from the world into more of what Jesus would have us be. So it's being focused on Jesus and in line with the Holy Spirit that we, and when we do that, we begin to sin less and less. Sin controls us less, and we look more and more like him, like Jesus, and like 
others who are on that same path. And, and one of the things we're going to do this semester is we're going to look at some of those individuals, some of those examples that we find throughout the biblical story. Uh, we're going to look at, we're going to do some character studies. And mostly, I, I probably all, we're going to spend a lot of time in the Old Testament looking at some of those really cool characters that we find in the Old Testament. Uh, and there's so many of them that we look at and we're like, I can never be like him because of how godly, how holy that man is. But truthfully, he's just like us, whoever that guy is. He's a sinner. Jesus was the only one who did not ever sin. So all those men that we look at throughout scripture, they're all just like us. They're sinners and they're depending on in their faith in God to be less of a sinner and more like Christ. So that's us. So we're going to look at some of them and we're going to learn from them. We're going to let them mentor us and show us and teach us some different ways that uh, we as men who are longing to be more and more holy men, how we can do that. And uh, we're going to look at some of my favorite characters uh, throughout uh, the Old Testament primarily. The first one we're going to look at today, it's one that I almost named one of my sons after. Uh, Daniel was almost Boaz. We find Boaz, the character Boaz, uh, if you don't know him, he's in the book of Ruth. It's a small book, four chapters, small story. And uh, why was I considering, well, Boaz, I love the character Boaz. I love his character. I love his story. I love what he was about. And, uh, and Daniel, the reason why we didn't name him Boaz is because my wife was telling some of our family that we were considering this, my brother who almost got smacked by my wife, said, oh, good, I can call him Bozo the Clown then. Oh, man, Mark, why'd you do that? So we missed out on calling him Boaz because of my brother. But that's, yeah. So why Boaz? Why are we going to start with Boaz in the first week? Well, guys, it's Valentine's week, and I'm not a big Hallmark holiday type of guy, but it is Valentine's week, and for there's some of you out there that are thinking romance, and some of your wives or girlfriends are thinking romance, and so you're trying to get it right. Well, that's why we're looking at Boaz, because this dude, he got it right. He, he, we're going to learn about love and romance and how to dote on our, our girls and how to uh, love them in a special way that gets them to love us back. Uh, so we're going to look at that. And so the story, it's called Ruth. The book is called Ruth. But truthfully, if I were to put a name on this book years ago, I would have called it the story of Ruth and Boaz because it's as much his story as it is her story. And I'm not trying to take it away from, I know that there's more books named after men than there is women. And so I love that it's named after Ruth. She's an amazing woman of faith. And I love that about her. Uh, but Boaz, I just love his character in this story. So let me set it up a little bit. Ruth, it starts with Ruth. Uh, we don't find Boaz in the first chapter at all. Uh, we find the story of Ruth. Uh, she's a Moabite woman, and, uh, and she, is, she marries into a Jewish family because they were living in her neck of the woods. And, but it's amazing as we see the story unfold, this family's living in the Moabite area, and all of a sudden, Ruth's father-in-law dies, and then her husband dies, and her brother-in-law dies. So it leaves these three widows, her mother-in-law and herself and her sister-in-law, 
And they're all just all of a sudden left alone. And in that time period, that was a big thing because who's going to provide for them and care for them? Well, Naomi, her mother-in-law, heads back to Israel to try to set up her life back there again. Ruth decides to go with her because she wants to support her mother-in-law. And so they go off. And so this is the story of Naomi and Ruth trying to set their life back up in Israel. Ruth is a fish out of water because, again, she's a Moabite. And so that's kind of like an enemy or an outcast of Israelite people. And so they don't want to associate with them. But here she is. She's with Naomi. And she's basically saying, I'm going to be with you. And I'm going to put my faith in your God, Naomi. And I'm going to live your life because I'm going to support you. All right, so now we find them, they're back in Israel, but how are they going to make money? How are they going to live? Well, Ruth goes off and she starts what's called gleaning. It's a process, we find it many places in the Old Testament, it talks about this idea of how rich landowners should be allow people who are poorer to glean or to take some of the, when you're uh, harvesting your crops, let some of the leftovers around for those who are poor to harvest after you, to get the leftovers. And so that's what Ruth is doing. She's out in a field. She is gleaning. She is picking up some of the leftovers. And all of a sudden, it's Boaz's field. And Boaz notices her. And that's the thing. We're going to learn what are some of the characteristics that we find in Boaz that just makes him romantic, makes him a man who Ruth eventually looks at as like, woo, I like him. I want to get to know him. And so uh, what is it that, what are some of the characteristics of Boaz that are holy or they're things that maybe other men who are unholy, maybe we don't do as much, but what are, these are characteristics that we we hold up in this story as important things about Boaz. The first thing is he notices her in a big way, in a godly way, in a good way. Uh, it says in uh, chapter two, verse four, it says, while uh, Ruth was there in the fields doing what she was doing, gleaning, it says, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. And the Lord bless you, the harvesters replied. So these are the people who work for him. They're out in the field. And so you see right away, Boaz, he's a good man. He's a godly man. That's the kind of greeting he shares with his harvesters. And then all of a sudden, he sees this woman that he's never seen before out there gleaning. He's heard about her, and we'll learn that later in the story, that he heard about her, but he never saw her before. It says, then Boaz asked the foreman, who is that young woman over there? So we see that he is definitely older than Ruth based on this, and we learn that later in the story as well. He says, who is that young woman over there, and who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, she is the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. And she has been hard at work ever since, except for just a, a few minutes of rest in the shelter. So we see this and, and we find this throughout the story where Boaz notices her. He sees these amazing characteristics of Ruth and he notices them. 
he, and he makes it known that he's seeing these things. We're, again, we'll see this later on in the story when she does something to, uh, to try to entice him. But Boaz, he notices, guys, do you notice your wife? I, you probably did back in the day. I think back to, you know, when Karen first started working at the seminary where I was going to school, man, I noticed her. My wife has a smile that lights up the room. And back in those days, man, I really noticed that. She was just, I I just was, I noticed. But I noticed other things about her, just like Boaz noticed these things. He noticed that Ruth was a hard worker. He noticed that she was doing these things to support Naomi, to care for Naomi. He noticed these things about her. And, well, guys, do you notice? See, it's so important for us to notice the things that our wives do, the things that she says, the things that she thinks about, for us to notice and to let our wives know that we are noticing them. Guys, she wants to be noticed. She wants to be known. She wants us to check her out. Do you? What else? It says later on, this idea, he protects her. He makes her feel safe. Another godly characteristic for us as men to care about our wives. It says in verse eight, Boaz went over and said to Ruth, listen, my daughter, he calls her daughter because again, she is much younger than him. He says, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to any other fields. He knows what could happen. Again, she's an attractive woman and he knows that in other fields she might be taken advantage of. So he says, stay right behind the young women working in my field. See which part of the field they are harvesting and then follow them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly. And when you are thirsty, to help yourself to the water that they have drawn from the well. So do you you hear what he's saying here? First of all, he says, stay here. Stay under my protection, and I've already warned the young men who might want to take advantage of you, because again, you're a good-looking woman. I noticed you. He wants her to know you're going to be taken care of. You're going to be protected. You're going to be safe under my overseeing. Men, does your wife feel safe around you? based on the words that you say to her, based on how you act around her, based on how others, like for instance, just the other night, I was upstairs, Daniel and Karen and Valerie were downstairs and Daniel had a disagreement with Karen. And in this disagreement, he started to talk at her, at her, not to her. And as he did, I, I went to the top of the steps and I waited because I wanted to give him a chance to remember this is your mom. He didn't. <laughs> he, kept, he kept elevating his tone and the things that he was saying. And so I simply said, do I need to come down there? Because Daniel knows better. He knows that this is my wife. Well, he kept going. And so finally I came down the steps and it was amazing how quickly as I came down the steps, his tone started to come down. He, he, he was still talking rough, but his tone came down because he knew and he kept speaking back at her. And so finally I said, Daniel, you need to make a choice. 
And he knew. You need to make a choice. This is my wife. You will not talk at her that way. You can have a conversation. Mom wants to talk to you about this topic, but you need to bring it down. Guys, does your wife or your daughters, does your girlfriend, if it's your girlfriend you have, do they, have they felt protected? Have they felt safe? I'll tell you what, they want you to be their knight in shining armor. They want to feel that way around you. Next thing, he's a generous man. We see this throughout the story. He is a man of generosity in so many ways. There, uh, there are so many. There's several different places where he, well, number one, he wants her to glean in his field. He tells the workers at one point, leave a couple extra stocks for her, break some off, make sure there's lots of extra. Because the funny thing, he's not just taking care of her. He also, Naomi is part of his family. We learn that later on in the story that they're all family. So he's wanting to care for his family. So he blesses her with great, great food. And, and later on, when Ruth is eating, he shares some of the roasted grain with her, gives her some lunch, gives her enough that he, she has enough to take home to Naomi. Naomi gets to feast on this grain as well. We see this throughout the entire story that he is a man of generosity. He loves giving good gifts and he, he shares them with Ruth. Ruth, again, she's a Moabite woman. But because he sees this, these characteristics about her, that she is a woman of, of truth, a woman of faith, she's a woman who cares for Naomi, he sees the uh, blessings of this woman. And so he just is generous to her. He dotes on her by giving her good gifts. Men, are you generous? Not just do you buy, you know, I know it's Valentine's week, so it, you just can't be about, you know, roses and chocolates and taking her out to eat on this one week a year. Man, if that's all you're doing, ah, oh, Hallmark's winning. But if you're generous at other times, if you are giving good gifts and not just financial gifts, not just little packages, I'm talking about giving yourself. Are you sitting down and spending time listening to her? Are you giving your time to her? Are you... Uh, giving yourself in ways that she's going to notice you because of your generosity. Does she see you being generous at other places? Do you tip well? Do you Are you generous uh, with giving your tithes and your offerings? Does she see this about you, that you're a man of generosity? It's an attractive attribute. It just is. It's more generous, it's more godly to give than to receive. Well, Ruth noticed this in big ways about him. The last thing I just want to mention in this story, there's other things, but he does the honorable and righteous thing when he very easily could have done something different. It says in chapter three, verse seven, this is now Ruth has noticed him. Naomi has noticed him being so kind and generous and protecting her family. And so she sends Ruth to let it be known. I'm interested in you. I'm interested in you in a big way. 
And so she goes over and she lets it be known. It, here's the story. After Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he laid down at the far end of the pile of grain and he went to sleep. So he's under the influence. He's been partying. He's having fun. And so then Ruth, based on what Naomi told her to do, Ruth came quietly, uncovered his feet and laid down next to them. Around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over, and he was surprised to find a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? He asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she replied. She says, spread the corner of your covering, your blanket, over me, for you are my family redeemer. What is Ruth doing here? Well, again, it's a family redeemer, kinsman redeemer. So basically she's saying, you are one of our family members who potentially could be the one who takes me, who makes me your wife. But in so doing how she did this, in this moment, Boaz could have easily, especially under the condition that he's in, the mindset he's in, he could have easily taken advantage of her. They're in the barn. No one else is around. He could have easily taken advantage of the situation and enjoyed her beauty. I hope you get what I mean. He could have taken advantage of her. He really could have. But he didn't. Instead, he was honorable and he did the right thing the right way. He says, the Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz exclaimed. You are showing even more family loyalty now than you did before. He notices her. Get this? He's noticing her again, the beauty of this moment. He says, for you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. Now, don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary for everyone in town knows you are a virtuous woman. People have noticed, Ruth. But while it's true that I'm one of your family redeemers, there's another man who is more closely related to you than I am. Stay here tonight and in the morning I will talk to him. So Boaz could have taken advantage of her. He could have married her in that moment by becoming one flesh with her. But he didn't because he knew it wasn't the right thing to do, that there was another man who was first in line to take Ruth as wife. And then in doing so, he would have gotten all the property that was associated with Ruth and Naomi's family. And at one point, that man was interested in that property. But when he heard that it was a Moabite woman connected to it, he said, "Uh uh-uh, I don't want it. But Boaz looked beyond, he looked beyond the fact that she was a Moabite woman and he saw the virtuous woman that she was. He saw the, he saw the beauty in her and he was willing to marry her. And so he did because the other man said, I'm not interested. And so they got married. And the cool thing is there was one other characteristic that I wanted to bring up. This is the bonus one. Uh, well, before we get to the bonus one, guys, are you honorable? Do you do things the right way? When your wife or your girlfriend sees you, does she see you cheating on your taxes? It's tax season, so I'll mention that one. Or does she see you cheating on things? Does she see you doing shortcuts that maybe you shouldn't do? Does she see you, instead of being generous, does she see you not tipping? Does she see you not giving, being, you know, 
do you do the right thing at the right times? Are you honorable? Do you lie? These are characteristics of a man who maybe is not going to be as attractive to a woman. Boaz was honorable. He was righteous. He was honest in his transactions. Uh, He just did it the right way. And that was so attractive to Ruth. The the last thing, the bonus thing, it's in chapter 2, verse 12. I'm going back a little bit. He prays a blessing over her. He says this, he says, May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, may he reward you fully for what you have done. Well, guess what? That prayer came true. And Boaz ended up being the answer to his own prayer of blessing. He ended up being the answer to that prayer by being the one that ended up marrying Ruth and blessing her with children. They ended up having children. And the cool thing is the blessing was such a rich blessing that both Ruth and Boaz end up being the great grandparents of David, King David. And eventually the ancestry goes all the way to Jesus. Yes, that's right. Hear me correctly. The answer to this prayer was such a rich answer from God that Ruth was blessed as being in the family lineage. Even though she was a Moabite woman, she was in the family lineage of Jesus. Guys, this is such a cool story. Boaz was a man of romance. He was a man of godliness that Ruth found so attractive, that Naomi was so excited that her daughter-in-law was going to get. Guys, that's the kind of men that we want to be. We want to be more godly, more holy in how we interact with our girlfriends or our wives. We want our daughters to see us in looking like Boaz because that is an attractive man. And we want our daughters to look for a man like Boaz. So therefore, we need to be like that because we are the best evidence of our daughters in looking for a man in the future. Guys, we need Boaz to mentor us. Because it's these kind of characteristics that if we become more and more in character traits like Boaz, our wives, or if you're still dating, your future wife is going to be so attracted to those kind of characteristics. And guys, here's the deal. Our wives, romance has a potential of being a fleeting thing. Again, it's Valentine's week. You can do the Valentine's week and then for the next three months, if you ignore romance, if you ignore noticing her and praying over her and doing the right thing and being generous to her, if you don't do those things ongoing, then guys, romance, if, if you know, it's not going to play out in the bedroom if that's what you're doing romance for because women are like, crockpots. They are ongoing, needing to be loved and doted on. And 
romance in a special godly way that makes them look at us like they're knights in shining armor, and then life gets special. So guys, learn from Boaz. Learn from his holy characteristics. May he mentor you in special ways. Read the story if you haven't yet. You're going to talk about it a little bit in your life groups as we continue on these journeys to become holy men. We get to look at men like Boaz and learn from him because, man, he, he's a holy man. Is he a sinner? Yes, he is. But wow. Let's learn from them, guys. All right. Hey, it is good to have you back on the Holy Man pod- podcast. we got 10 weeks with this semester, and uh, we're going to look at a lot of different uh, guys. If you have a certain man, holy man, in the Old Testament that you would love for me to consider, email me, text me. Let me know one that you'd like me to look into, and, uh, and we'll have a great journey together on our journeys to become holy men. <laughs>